The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. The Alberta government has introduced a bill to stop sex offenders from legally changing their name. We'll have more details on that and reaction in about 10 minutes. First, though, a warning today about the dangers of cappers. What are they, you ask? Well, me too. I hadn't heard about it before reading a story, uh, a news story about it earlier today, but they are dangerous online predators and parents need to know about them. Kicking off today's show is Catherine Tabak, a cybertip.ca program manager at the Canadian Centre for Child Protection. Catherine, thank you for making time for us today. Yes, thank you for having me. So give us an idea, um, and especially in the past three or four months, are we seeing an increase? increase in the number of um, online sexual exploitation cases with Canadian kids during this pandemic? Yeah, absolutely. Once the pandemic hit, our tip line started seeing a 66% increase in reporting into our tip wow. line. Um, and for various different situations, but certainly the, the cappers or the situation involving the cappers has continued to increase. Okay, so tell us about what cappers are i've never heard this term before so can you can you fill us in on uh, who they are what they are doing Mm -hmm. so cappers is a a term actually used by the offender community Um, they've sort of coined themselves in that way online Um, but essentially it's an individual who deceives kids into engaging into a sexual act or undressing on live stream or video call and unbeknownst to the child, the capper is recording the call or live stream and uses the recording against the child in some capacity. So does the child ever find out about it or, or, or parents or how, does, how do they know that it's happening? Um, you know, there's certainly circumstances that are reported into our tip line, but um, we also operate a tool called Project and. Uh, Project Arachnid, and um, we do know that likely there are some kids out there who are completely unaware that this has happened to them. So because I was reading that, as you mentioned, there are cappers out there who record the sexual act without ever telling the child they've done so, and then they exchange the video with other offenders in online forums. Is that what what, what happens to this video once it's recorded? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, the capping community tends to use this type of material um, in different ways, but essentially it's uh, to harm the child. Um, mm. We see sort of the cappers community use it to help build their collection of child sexual abuse material and they use it in the trade of that material with other like-minded individuals Um, and we also see other situations where the cappers use that to blackmail the child in some capacity either to create additional sexual content or to have them pay money to the capper. Catherine Tabak joining me this afternoon. She is the cybertip.ca program manager at the Canadian Centre for Child Protection. We're talking about cappers and what you need to know about them, what they're doing and how you can protect your kids. Um, So from what I understand is that some of these um, cappers um, pretend that they are children to try to bait other children into at least start the conversation with them. Is that how that works? Yeah, we see sort of different circumstances with that. So certainly they use um, pre-recorded content. So pretending to either be a similar aged peer, um, used content that they've maybe recorded of other children. Um, And then they also use software to sort of run a 
a, a pre-recorded video um, where they are showing either a female or male um, undressing or engaging in sex acts to make their victim feel more comfortable in doing the same. So, Catherine, are, are there certain social media platforms that uh, these cappers are more active on than others, or is it kind of right across the board? Uh, we do see them in sort of everyday applications, but certainly um, services that kids are using more often. Um, we are seeing, you know, reports coming in related to Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram. Um, mm. The initial contact might be made on services like TikTok, for example, where we know kids are, are creating, you know, um, innocent videos and posting them and sharing them with uh, their friend group. Um, and we also see circumstances where the initial contact is made on one service and the capper will help move the child to a more private um, mm. application where they can do like direct messaging. So what can parents do about this? What do they need to be aware of, Catherine? Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is really paying attention to changes um, in behavior of their child. So if they're noticing anything weird happening, if the child is isolating themselves in their bedroom or bathroom, certainly they want to spark up a conversation to see what's happening there. Um, you know, always monitoring online activities. But the biggest thing, because we do see this in sort of the older teen space, so the, the 13 to 17-year-olds, mm-hmm. um, is really having about is having frank conversations with them about how this can happen, how it quickly escalates, and some red flags of what they can look out for. So if a user that they don't know is asking them to get nude, things like attention bombing or being persistent, offering gifts, those are uh, things that they all want to look out for. Look when out you're for. talking about when you're talking about attention bombing, is that just, you know, overwhelming text, pictures, whatever it is uh, from the capper to the um, to the child? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So things yeah. like, oh, you're so beautiful. You're sexy. Mm. Um, I like what you're wearing, things like that. And, and it's very persistent and constant. Okay, so uh, having that frank conversation, I know you don't have much time left with us. You have to get to uh, to another appointment here. But to have that frank conversation with your kids, um, you know, sit them down, tell them that there are people like this out there. And um, is it it valid, is it a a good um, rule of thumb to put some rules in place? I know it can be a lot easier when the kids are younger, but when you're getting into 16, 17 years of age, it might be a little bit more tricky at times, at least to, to enforce or maybe to get the kids to listen to you. Absolutely. And we hear that from parents all the time. Um, I think it's important in terms of, you know, setting some ground rules together, especially in the older teen space. So um, setting out expectations of what the, the child will expect from the parents about online and technology use. And parents mm-hmm. can also do things like, you know, turning off Wi-Fi at night, um, yes. setting rules about the use of technology in places like bathrooms. So you want to keep the use of the technology in common spaces where the parent can oversee um, a little bit more what's happening. Um, but also just building that trust and a foundation that will allow your child to come to you for help without yes. the fear of consequences. So the, the yeah. teens that are coming into us... Um, looking for help oftentimes they fear consequences from their parents and that's why they're not turning to their parents for help 
Okay, so you have to develop that uh, that relationship. You know what? You gave us a lot to think about today, Catherine. I appreciate you helping us shine a spotlight on this. And uh, the website for the Canadian Centre for Child Protection is protectchildren.ca. And there's a lot of really good resources that uh, that parents and kids can find right there. Catherine, thanks for joining me this afternoon. Thank you. I appreciate it. Catherine Tabak, um, again, the Canadian Centre for Child Protection. So had never ever heard of this before and I thought whoa we need to talk about this right and so again uh, they're trying to you know trick kids into um, committing sexual acts over live streams secretly recording a video and then they use it to to blackmail the child for more sexual images or money and then there are some out there that just record the sexual act without ever telling the child that they've done so and then they exchange the video with other offenders in online forums. Peter says, this is absolutely sickening to hear. I know someone who sent a pic to an adult posing as a kid and tried to blackmail the child. This was 12 years ago. And Sarah says, you know, it's good that there's people watching out for the kids. People can be so horrible. Exactly. And, and it's a really great reminder, isn't it? Um, and it can be difficult to do so. We think, you know, well, the kids are on the phones all the time or the technology all the time. And sometimes I think the kids um, know how to use the technology better than, than some of us do. Um, but it is important to have that conversation about things like this and to keep an eye out for some of those red flags that Catherine had mentioned. And she also um, went on uh, in, a, in an article to say that there are some other things that we need to make sure uh, for parents, you know, just a few easy things to remember to tell their kids, you know, make sure that the kids know not to share personal information with strangers. Like my parents told me this when I, when I was a kid before we had, you know, computers in our hands, but again, more important than ever now. Um, so, you know, meaning don't share your name, where you live, how many siblings, um, you have, whether or not your parents are working, Uh, away from home, in the home, whatever it is, any identification that could identify the child, but having that, that relationship. So if something does happen, that the child will turn around and say, mom, dad, I need your help.